Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Hannah Cho. Dr. Cho opened her first practice eight years ago, right after she graduated from the Southern California College of Optometry. It's called Flow Optometry. And now she's opening her second practice. And from then on, it's a fast track to a bunch more practices. Welcome, Dr. Cho. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so pleased that you could take time out of what has to be a crazy uh, planning time for you. You decided after eight years that it was time to open another practice, but you're not stopping there. Yeah, yeah. I figured if I could open one, uh, why not try to open multiple? And what is the multiple plan for 2020? Uh, so for now, because things are ever evolving, um, we're planning on opening one in August. So that's the grand opening, which will be on August 24th at t- 10 a.m. PST. Um, that's in Fountain Valley. And then in September, we're opening in, this is all in Southern California. Um, in September, it's Artesia. And then in October, it's in Costa Mesa. And then we have two more that's pending before the end of this year that will most likely be in Tustin and Buena Park. And then in Q1 of 21, we have two more pending locations uh, to open. So you're going from one to eight? Yes. Wow. Um, what? <laughs> so that's fascinating. So so how many of you are there? <laughs> so it's me. Um, so it's my um, flow optometry brand. And um, we basically have, I've, I should say me when it, it's applicable. So I've assembled a team um, basically for all the business requirements. So we have somebody that's in charge of digital marketing. We have somebody in charge of web developing uh, and a bookkeeper, basically everything that's related to the business side. So they're prepped to open up multiple locations with me. Um, And the idea was that, you know, all the learnings I had from my first practice, I wrote it all down and pretty much made like a step-by-step playbook. And we're Mm -hmm. testing it out to see, um, Number one, is it viable to open a successful practice in a super saturated area, um, especially in the current circumstance? Um, and number two, if we can do it, can we do it at a much more cost efficient way? So for me, um, just thinking about it from a business perspective, if I had one versus, let's say, five practices, yes, the overall expenses do go up. Um, but I feel like each practice that you add on kind of going with the thought process of buying groups, I feel mm-hmm. like the expenses actually wouldn't go up as dramatically. So for me, it just made more sense to open multiple and share all the business expenses within the right. practices. Um, and it's not just me, actually, I might have to clarify that a little bit. Um, Basically, my end goal is actually to not be a practice owner. It's to create these practices so that I have these other optometrists that always had that dream about owning a practice and pretty much setting it up for them, creating all the flows and uh, hopefully making it profitable. And then we can have these um, optometrists join in and eventually become the full owner. 
Um, so then I can just focus on uh, partnering with them and just kind of focusing on the business aspect of them. And then the optometrist just focus in on um, providing the best patient care um, possible. And then, you know, a lot of the optometrists end up being super interested in the business side, which I would love to mentor or teach them over time. Um, so that's kind of like my end goal with all of this. So that's, that's really, that's really interesting. And um, because that's not typically, I think, something that one person does. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe I've, I've certainly heard of people investing in a, in a second practice that, you know, is, is essentially designed to help bring somebody on, on board and give them a space, but uh, doing it times, times seven (laughs) is, uh, (laughs) is really ambitious. What, prompted this i mean and, and obviously how, how much did, did covid kind of uh mess with your your plans for this year yeah um i think that's a great question so i'll break it up into two answers so the first uh answer it, the reason what what kind of prompted this was um ever since i opened my practice cold eight years ago um i I fell in love with private practice. I felt like it was the best way for optometrists to practice, um, you know, their degree and mm-hmm. provide patient care. And I knew that, you know, even though I grew this successful practice, um, I felt like if you fast forwarded maybe the next 10, 15 years, um, I felt like the traditional model wouldn't be able to hold up as well, um, just because there's an ever-changing landscape for healthcare and just in the world in general, we have Amazon nowadays that's disrupting um, how patients shop. Um, and it, it didn't feel like optometry was really adjusting to the times. And so I started actually a few years ago trying to figure out, you know, what would be an ideal private practice model. And mm-hmm. I've been working towards that uh, while I was doing a lot of consulting work in different modalities. And I finally got a uh, to a place where financially I was able to start um, testing out these practice ideas that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I did see, you know, this increase of private equity and all these uh, major players kind of coming into the optometry industry. And I felt like, um, you know, when you bring in private equity, their end goal usually is to make a profit. and I feel like when you're bringing that kind of mentality into the optometry space, it does blur the lines in terms of, um, you know, providing optimal patient care. And so with that kind of blurry lines, I, I feel like, you know, it can easily become that the doctors who are pretty much like glorified employees at that point, um, they kind of get uh, almost pushed into working to create profit for them. And if they don't do it, then we can, they can easily be replaced by another optometrist. And so I felt like at the end of the day, I didn't know where private equities in goal was. Um, I can imagine, but I'm not going to say, and I think it just didn't seem like it would be in the optometrist's best interest. And I am such, I myself am an optometrist and I have such passion for optometry, obviously. And that's why I went into this field. I just kind of wanted to make a stand against the way that it was going. And we have all these major insurances that are trying to create this vertical integration uh, business models where they're starting to acquire practices themselves um, and trying to capture all the patients with 
ideals on their own frame lines and lenses and kind of forcing the private optometrists um, hands in how they do business. And I, I felt like it wasn't very fair and I wanted to create an alternative um, options, especially for all the new grads that were coming out because I felt like it wasn't really fair to them um, the way mm-hmm. that it was going. And I feel like um, optometrists as a whole are, have been kind of just standing back and letting things happen. And uh, for me, it didn't feel feel right. And so I wanted to create something like a solution to it. So you're this one woman powerhouse over there in Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> well, no, I just I, I have a lot of a lot of time on my hands now because I'm not seeing patients, and I think uh, I have that luxury, and I I'm starting to realize what's actually happening in optometry. Mm-hmm. And I, although I am one person, like I I'm trying to make a little dent in the optometry world uh, as much as I can, just because. I feel like no one else is really doing it. And it it makes me feel like I want to help the underdog. Interesting. So you mentioned, you know, that you've been trying to craft in in your mind what's exactly the right model. And and what what is that? I mean, in terms of the the physical space and location and and equipment or, or do you mean sort of a theoretical model? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. Um, And I'm I'm going to hold back on some of the stuff uh, that I'm going to tell you because it will come out. It's just right now I don't want to anger giants. And so um, for the, I guess, uh, kind of doing a little bit more of a high level level overview, a more simplified version, um, I felt like, you know, there was a lot of inefficiencies in private practices for sure. I, I mean, it's been done the same way in the past few decades. And um, I feel like that definitely can be updated. We need to start integrating technology. Um, we need to start reducing the cost that we, like a private practice typically has. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you one example. Uh, you know, we, when you go into optometry office, who are you usually greeted with? It's usually a reception receptionist. Mm-hmm. And basically that person's job is to welcome the patient and check them in. Um, And typically you'll see that the patient uh, waits anywhere from five to 10 minutes for the next, uh, the previous patient or the doctor to get ready, and then they can get started. Um, So something small like that, um, I think a lot of private practice owners, they do it because it's what's always been done and it's never been questioned. But if you think about how much time the receptionist is spending greeting that patient and also um, like how much you're paying them, it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of mind blowing because you start thinking about all the little tasks that the staff is doing and you're paying them for their time um, to like the convenience of them being on site. That's what you're paying a premium for. Um, you start getting into, oh, well, why don't we do it like this? And why don't we stream it, streamline it this way? And so in that specific example, um, my thought is. You, we don't actually need a receptionist sitting there, you know, greeting everyone in if you can cut out that five to 10 minute wait time. If you are ready right when the patient is done and they've done all the form filling, uh, filling out the form ahead of time online, by the time they step in the door, theoretically, you should actually just be able to introduce yourself, like the tech should introduce themselves and bring the patient straight into the pretest and get started. So you're Talking about, you know, the patient is saving anywhere from five to 10 minutes of wait time. And also you're cutting out the need for a receptionist time um, to be spent there. So you're saving them 
virtually, again, five to 10 minutes. Um, and then you multiply that per day of how many patients you see. And then that actually becomes like an hour, an hour and a half that they're saving um, to use it towards something else that they actually need to be there to be done. Um, so like little tiny things like that we've been working on. Um, mm -hmm. I've been venturing into, you know, um, telehealth. And this kind of touches on that question that I actually ended up not answering, I forgot about, is like, how is COVID affecting um, the business? And I, it might be more like optometry as a whole and private practice. Um, but for me personally, um, I think it's, it's not actually affecting me too much because the model that I, and when I say model, I'm talking about the office flow. The office flow that I envision for flow optometry is actually very consistent with the standards that we need to have at this current time. Um, it's really to reduce the number of um, patient or staff members, at, uh, you know, kind of doing things that they don't really need to be doing and kind of more zeroing in on specific tasks that they should be doing and that they need to be doing on site. Um, and reducing the number of minutes that the patient is actually at the office. Like we're really trying to create this super streamlined experience for the patient. Obviously, we're not cutting any corners. We're still probably offering a much more thorough, comprehensive exam than, let's say, a corporation's like 20-minute exam. But the idea really is to get them in and out and that there is no um, lag time in between. So the patient, in the patient's experience, they're going boom, 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 there is no uh, lag and they mm -hmm. feel good because they feel like their time is valued. And so, yeah, I mean, the only thing that might increase the time obviously is like the cleaning between the patient exams, which is inevitable at this point. Um, right. But yeah, it's really just to improve the experience. And we've done that. We've been looking into AR for trying on glasses so that we can extend our inventory um, to offer it to them um, remotely so that they don't mm -hmm. have to stick around to shop. Um, and that is actually with the software program that I've been working on with a team of engineers. Um, and then, yeah, okay. just like acquiring the latest um, equipment, which a lot of practices do, uh, which I think is good, uh, just to make sure that you're offering a very comprehensive, uh, thorough exam. Um, yeah, th those are like the little things, but definitely if you had time uh, it would be nice for you to join and kind of see physically what I've been working on um, on mm. the virtual grand opening. That's exciting yes and and so let's talk about a virtual grand opening because that's kind of a new a new uh, COVID era concept too here. Right. Um, what what exactly is a virtual grand opening? Yeah um, so you know, whenever you open a business, you, I always pictured, you know, having this like ribbon cutting ceremony, you have people coming in, you have like appetizers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously at this point, definitely not an option. And I, I started looking at other big companies, um, like grand openings and promotions. And I started, um, kind of picking what I liked and what I didn't like about it. I think, it's very, so the platform, um, just to clarify, is going to be on Facebook live stream. But okay. um, what I noticed with a lot of these live streams is it's kind of boring. It's not very engaging. Um, some of these companies actually hire celebrities and, you know, that kind of creates a buzz. But really, when you are watching, it's not that interesting, even though it's a celebrity, because it almost feels like you're watching a boring 
uh, Netflix movie. Like someone's just kind of talking and it's not very directed. And um, so, yeah, that I definitely didn't want to do. So one of the challenges I have on myself is how do I make this virtual grand opening so interesting that patients um, who never heard of flow optometry would want to stick around until the end because we budgeted about an hour, hour and a half for this grand opening. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, that's what me and the uh, team have been working really hard on is uh, creating kind of like a script just so that, you know, again, with that idea of like not wanting to waste anybody's time, you know, having um, kind of showcasing the flow of the office and kind of highlighting what's a little bit more innovative and that patients might not be used to, but also, you know, highlighting the parts that are COVID specific and just reassuring patients that you are going to be walking into a safe place and it's very sanitized. And um, we just want to um, put away any worries that patients typically have, because I know a lot of them are very scared to venture outside of their house. Right. Now, have you here uh, like 10 days before your opening started scheduling patients yet for this new location? Not yet. And we kind of did that on per- like n- not on purpose. Like I didn't realize the um, buzz that we were creating in Fountain Valley, actually. And so mm-hmm. just fun, like just by chance yesterday, um, I was logged in because, you know, in Yelp, you can create a business Yelp account. So right. we created one for Fountain Valley, um, but I haven't looked at it since, uh, you know, I created it probably two weeks ago. And then I, you know how it shows um, you like the age group and the gender person is like looking at your website and they actually clicked on your website from your Yelp account and they mm-hmm. called, you know, you could see everything. And I was um, kind of getting stressed out because I started seeing how many people were trying to contact us um, <laughs> even from two weeks ago. And so that's when I jumped on the, the phone with my IT person. I was like, hey, we need to get this phone uh, set up because people are interested. People are calling. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so That's we're exciting. working on that actually today. And um, mm-hmm. we are going to go live with our online appointment scheduling, um, probably a lot sooner than the opening. Wow. That's exciting. That's yeah. uh, that's really exciting. And so um, now for the for the future plans for these other locations, you you have spaces already identified? Yes. Yeah. So right. we have the spaces um, and actually we're we're building out in a couple mm-hmm. of them. And okay. then um, the other, the ones that are kind of like a little bit more long-term, um, yeah, we already have uh, those locations secured. Uh, it's funny that we're talking about uh, six, seven months as long-term here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because, yeah, right now long- everything is just, you know, next year just seems like it's so far away, but very close at the same time. Right. Right. That's exciting. Now, have you identified doctors? Because obviously you can't be in all of these places mm-hmm. at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, definitely have. Um, I've been in the industry long enough where I've created this network of, um, you know, relationships with other fellow colleagues of mine. Um, You know, I'm pretty close with a lot of the sales reps. And so I get introduced to a lot of doctors that initially were interested in um, opening a practice and um, they just kind of put me in contact just because I'm kind of known as the go-to person for anyone that's interested in cold starts. Um, And Mm -hmm. so we do have, uh, we have 
I have a list, a long list of doctors that are actually ready to partner um, right mm -hmm. away. And I think for me, the only limiting factor is because I, I just wanted to open a couple at first and uh -huh. make sure that it was successful because obviously you want to have something to uh, like you just for your own confidence and just personally, like you don't want to overstretch yourself too thin ahead right. of time. And so I was only actually going to open two practices um, this year, but I kept getting all these opportunities that it was so hard to pass up. And I think, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues are super excited to open a practice now, like, because they've been working for someone else for eight years. And I think they're starting to realize that, you know, they're only getting compensated for that one time that they saw that, or that work that day. They weren't really right. building up equity. And, you know, I think they were, they're getting kind of sick of working to uh, make another optometrist rich. And so, and which is totally understandable. Um, mm -hmm. And so they've been reaching out and um, I've been uh, kind of like, like it just, I, cause I never like to say no to anything. Like it, if it makes sense, even though it makes me a little bit uncomfortable or if it seems ridiculous, um, um, I still try really hard to, you know, open myself up to any possibility because um, it's when you say no, it makes sure that you're 100% failed, right? It's you 100% you that you failed. If you say yes to everything and then you try your hardest, it, it's really hard to fail. And so um, basically, instead of let's say the two practices that I originally wanted to create, now it's like six or seven, um, it's actually forcing me to adjust to it. And again, it all goes back to really trying to streamline and make everything super efficient. Um, that's just putting more pressure on myself to hire and expand the team much faster and train right. them so that, you know, they can start, I can start offloading some of it to those um, team members and still make sure that everything is being done. And I think that's one good thing about it is that I document everything step by step. So it's really hard not to um, go through and make mistakes. Um, it finally came to a point with this pandemic that people are actually starting to uh, question whether they want to continue as an employee or is it now a good time to start a practice or buy a practice. And so I think um, right now is actually kind of shifting um, mm -hmm. the the way that optometry is going. And I'm, I'm just super excited to be a part of that shift. That's so exciting. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge a shift when you're potentially in the middle of it. You know, we, we right, may need to right. look back at this at five and 10 years and say, aha, 2020 really was the year that, that this shift began to occur. But right, uh, right. it's, it's exciting that you were envisioning it and, and proactively uh, gearing up for it and in yeah. a big way. You know? yeah. <laughs> I still big. believe, cause I'm sure you heard this like 2020, was supposed to be uh, <laughs> the years year of the optometrist. Like when else? When else are we going to get a 2020 year? And, exactly. Um, I do feel like you know a lot. Of, it kind of it depends on the way that you view it, right? Like if you're viewing it like okay, I can't get a job anywhere. I just graduated, um, you know, and kind of are stuck in this like mindset, like okay, like I have to wait until this pandemic is over so then I can actually have a better chance at having a job. Um, if you shift that and you start thinking, well, you know what, like I always wanted to own a private practice in five, 10 years, um, maybe now is a really good time to start on that journey because I don't really, ha I have time 
And mm -hmm. I really have a lot less to, to lose at this point because uh, right when you graduate from school, you're really still in that mentality living as a student. And so you don't have all the baggage that comes with age with all these extra expenses because usually when you have more income, um, unfortunately, your expenses do follow. And so mm -hmm. that plus having all this time and you, usually the grad new grads are younger and they have a lot of energy and they're very creative and they're not um, jaded by the way that it's been done. Um, and so that's why I really like partnering with the younger ODs um, that are very adaptable and flexible. And they usually contribute all these, you know, crazy ideas that I myself even couldn't have thought of on my own. Um, and so it's it's a great synergy when I'm talking to someone like that, that has that shift of mindset where they're open to change. That's so exciting. A very empowering perspective on uh, the year 2020. Dr. Cho, good luck with your first virtual grand opening and all the others to follow this year. Uh, it's, it's exciting and, and we'll, we'll keep up with you on the pages of Women in Optometry. Thank you so much for your time. This has been super fun. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.